everyone can sit beautifully like a Buddha. Little Buddha. Big Buddha. Let us uh, sit uh, upright, relax, beautiful, like a flower. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower, a lotus flower. Breathing out, I feel beautiful, I feel fresh. Dear Sangha, today we uh, speak English. Today is the 20, 24th, right? Today is the 24th of uh, July, 2012, and we are in the upper hamlet of Plum Village during our uh, summer opening, the third week of summer opening. And we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Plum Village. Today, after this session, we will practice uh, walking meditation down to the to the uh, to the Shengha Temple, the temple at the foot of the hill, and uh, practice sitting meditation on the grass. We shall have a concert, a dance, and we have a. Um, we will visit the calligraphy exhibition and we have a picnic lunch down there. And we don't have to be hurried because the bus will come very late to take us back to the new hamlet. We don't need to, to rush. Today we have a session of questions and answers. And you may like to ask your question in French or um, English, uh, Vietnamese, and so on. Uh, you may like to bring your translator with you. If you speak uh, Chinese or Russian or Spanish, and so on. But if you, you ask in, Jap- in uh, French, English, Vietnamese, German, It's okay. You don't have to bring your own translator. (laughs) We know that a good question will help many people. Many people will profit from your question. And a good question is a question that has to do with our practice, with our difficulties, without suffering, without happiness, without experiences. And that is why we should ask uh, the question of our heart, the question that has been there for a long time. If uh, we are a little bit shy, and then we can write down our question on a piece of paper and ask someone to bring it it up to Sister Pine, who sit close to Tay. And those of us who have uh, that question in our heart are invited to come up here and sit uh, around us. And they take the turn 
to sit on the other chair so that everyone can see him or her before asking the question. And our practice is that if before we ask a question, everyone will listen to the sound of the bell and breathe in and out three times. We enjoy our togetherness. We enjoy the peace and the mindfulness uh, generated by the collective practice of mindful breathing. Very healing, very transforming, very nourishing. And then uh, we are calm enough and concentrated enough to ask our question. The children will have the chance to ask uh, their questions first. Maybe uh, three or four questions for the children. And then the uh, teenagers are encouraged to come and ask their questions. And then young adult and adult. So please, uh, if you have already a question, come and sit close to us. If you don't have a question, it may come later. You can join us later on. Les autres enfants, les autres enfants, other children, teenagers, young adults, adults. It's a young practitioner. <laughs> Dear Sangha, this is a happy moment. And let us uh, listen to the first sound of the bell and enjoy our breathing three times before we ask the first question. into a new school. And you're finding it hard to make new friends. How can you make new friends? If you just move to a new school, that is something very exciting. There are many things that will happen and you get to have to be ready to uh, to encounter new uh, events, new friends. Don't worry. Just allow things to happen. Uh, New friends will come to you if you are ready. So you can prepare yourself. Don't worry. Just uh, practice uh, pebble meditation, uh, breathing in and out to make yourself relax you know that well. It's like uh, you go to the mountain 
for vacation. And on the mountain, there will be many beautiful trees and flowers and things that you have not seen. You will be happy to, uh, to see them. You cannot predict what you will see. But you know that if you are coming up to a mountain, you see many beautiful things, animals, vegetables, and minerals. So going to a new school is like that. There will be many new things that can make us happy also. So uh, don't worry. Uh, prepare yourself. Tell, tell yourself that I am going to have new friends. And, uh, and uh, certainly there will be good friends. And I allow it to happen. I don't have to choose. Uh, sit down. <laughs> And, uh, and that, uh, that girl that you will meet will be a good friend of yours or not a good friend of yours. That depends on you somehow. Huh? That person might be very lovable. Uh, lovable lovable. And the way you look at her, the way you talk to her, can make her even more lovable. <laughs> uh, if that person is not uh, very lo- lovable, your way of looking and smiling can make her more lovable. So it depends somehow on us and not only on them. And we wish you a lot of uh, luck and success. And maybe next year you will come and plumblage and, and report to us how, uh, how, how, how things uh, are with uh, New School. Okay? Remember, huh? Thank you. They had a lovely wedding, so they brought us some presents. And inside you can, you have heart and the word love. And this is a, a body leaf, leaf. If there is no such thing as death, then why is it wrong to kill? If there is no such thing as death, then why is it wrong to kill? 
Very good question. <laughs> when you want to kill, when you want to kill, you have uh, wrong perceptions. You think that you, you can kill. Suppose you want to kill a cloud. Because you don't know that a cloud can never die. A cloud can only become snow or rain. So the willingness to kill is, is a, a kind of energy characterized by ignorance, wrong perception and anger and violence. And that is why the act of killing is wrong. Wrong because uh, it does not have uh, intelligence, wisdom. It has a lot of violence and suffering. And the act of, uh, even before the act of trying to kill is already, is already wrong. And what is wrong can bring a lot of suffering. Not to, not to us, and not to, not to the other person, but uh, to ourselves. Uh, the person who killed Martin Luther King, the person who killed uh, Mahatma Gandhi, the person who killed uh, John F. Kennedy, the person who killed Jesus Christ. They were people who suffered a lot. They had a lot of, uh, of uh, anger, of fear, of violence, because uh, they have uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of ignorance, wrong perceptions. They think they can, they can kill. You cannot kill Martin Luther King. He became very strong after your attempt to kill him. Martin Luther King now is stronger than before. Suppose you want to kill a cloud. How you can kill a cloud? You lose your time. So you attempt to kill someone, to destroy someone, will only lead to your suffering. And that is why we have to to touch the true nature of no birth and no death. And someone who commits suicide, that is an act bringing a lot of suffering. Because he thinks that he can kill himself. But the fact is that he cannot kill himself. And his, try, his attempt to kill himself makes him suffer more and make people around him suffer more. You cannot die. You cannot kill someone. So Mahatma Gandhi is still alive and he's very strong now. He is in every one of us. Martin Luther King also. Jesus Christ also. The Buddha also. In his time, many people try to kill the Buddha also. <laughs> so, 
the willingness to kill is suffering because it has ignorance, anger, violence in it. And uh, modern science also agree with uh, the Buddha that you cannot kill anything, you cannot make anything disappear. Nothing is, nothing can die. Rien is a rien is a Two transform. There's only transformation. There's no death. And in the, on the appearance, it seems there is death and, and birth. But if you go deeply, you see that's not true. So if you study uh, science, chemistry, uh, biology, Deeply, you will touch the truth of no birth and no death. A very philosophical question. The time. Dear Sangha, I suffer a lot from my father. Um, he has, um, it's difficult for me <coughs> to see him and it's almost become dangerous. I do not want to see him anymore. And I've, and I've given him several chances to change. I have stayed forcing myself to go. But now I can't. And now my question is, do I still have to try and change him and try to go to, to him? Even though it is making me very tired. Dear Thai, our friend said that um, he has a lot of difficulty with his father. Um, it's been very difficult for him to see his father, and he feels that it has even become dangerous. And he has tried to force himself to go and to give his father many chances to change, to transform. But he feels it hasn't been successful, and he feels he cannot force himself to go anymore. But he's asking Tai if he should continue to try to to bring his father to transform, to change, and push himself to to try to help his father to change. Hmm. This morning, Tai had some problem with his throat, and he used this cup drop. I like to have some. Want to have some? Someone like to replace her? her? Hmm? Thank you, dear. You have been a beautiful flower. Put it in your mouth. All of Oh, it's a like a flower. 
sit beautiful, beautifully like a flower, smile. <laughs> this is a, a very important question. And many of us have that question in our heart also. The other person does not seem to change after after we have, after many uh, of our attempt to help change him or her. Should we continue or not? Right. In order to find uh, the right answer, we have to look first, look more deeply to see the relationship between us and the other person. Whether you are son and father, or whether you are daughter and mother, or you are partner and partner, and if you have difficulty with the other person, and if you want to send him or her, which the first thing we, we do, we should do is to look deeply into ourselves and into that person to realize, um, to see the relationship, the connection. Usually we think that uh, the other person is outside of us. And that is, that is not the right view. In this case, we think that our father is outside of us. And we need only to change the outside and not the inside. We need to see that uh, our Father is in us. Our Father is present in every cell of our body. We have our Father in us. We are the continuation of our Father in us. And if uh, it may be easier for us to change our father inside first. And he can do that 24 hours a day. You don't need to see and to go and see him, talk to him in order to change. The way we breathe, the way we walk, can change him in ourselves. Invite him to walk with us, to sit with us, to smile with us. And the father inside of us will change. Otherwise, you grow up and behave exactly like him now. There are many children who hate their father, who promise that uh, when they grow up, they will not act and say things like their father. But when they grow up, they will act exactly like their father. And they will say things exactly that by their father. That has happened many times, always. So you hate it, you don't want to do it, you don't want to say it, and yet you will do exactly like that, and you will speak exactly like that. And that is what we call in Buddhism samsara, going around. You continue your father not only with your body, but uh, your way of life. 
So that is why when you encounter the Buddha Dharma, you have a chance. You have to send your father in you first. And when you have been able to send your father inside of you, he will not go to samsara again. You will not transmit that kind of habit to your children. So you end the round of samsara going around. Recycle. Recycling. And when the father inside has been transformed, the transformation of the father outside will be much easier. That is my experience. I have uh, fellow monks who are difficult. (laughs) They are dignitaries in the church, in the Buddhist church. They are very conservative. Conservative. They didn't allow uh, uh, transformation to take place in in the community. You know that in order to serve uh, society, you have to renew your community. Whether your community is uh, Christianity, uh, Buddhism, uh, Islam, uh, Judaism, right? And many of us are eager to to renew our tradition, to serve society and human beings better, right? But there are so many conservative elements in the church. So that is true in my case also. But I noticed uh, this very early. I said, we have, they have in us, they are in us. We have to change ourselves first. So if you are a partner, and and your partner does not change, don't think that your partner is just outside of you. Your partner is inside of you. Even if you have divorced him or her. Yesterday I received a, a question. Can we reconcile? Can we begin anew with the one who, who we have divorced? And this is exactly uh, uh, the, the, the question we have to, to answer. Because even in the beginning, you believe that uh, after divorce, and then you can be yourself entirely and he, you can take him out of you completely. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> you can never remove himself from you. You can never remove herself from you. No way. So before you attempt to do something with the other person outside, try to help him transform inside, try to help her transform inside. Mm. And uh, with this practice, 
we can succeed in transforming ourselves and become a model. We become fresh. The, our way is exactly the way we want him to be. So by, by speaking, by acting, by living, you begin to sense him. You don't sense him by talking alone. Maybe talking cannot change. But your way of reacting, your way of uh, acting, reacting, your way of responding, you help change that person. Because he has also his intelligence, and he can notice that. And uh, you know that uh, to succeed in the work of changing oneself and changing the other person, you also need a Sangha, you also need friends to support you. That is why you have to take refuge in the Sangha. You have to know how to make good use of the collective energy of the Sangha to support our transformation and healing and to help us uh, transform the other person. Don't be too eager to transform him right away. You have to accept him as he is first. You have to accept her as she is first. And after acceptance, acceptance, you feel much better already. And you begin to change him inside of you. This is a very deep practice. And since our friend has come to Plum Village uh, every year and practiced with us since he was a small child, I believe he can do it. And we try to support him to do it. Never lose our hope. And uh, the way not to lose our hope is to make progress every day by the practice, daily practice. Thank you for asking the question. It's very good. One more question for our children. Last week, uh, one child came and asked this question. How are you? Did you become a monk? Because I like to be a monk. <laughs> you know, when I was uh, small, like you, one day I saw a, the drawing of a Buddha in the uh, cover of a Buddhist magazine. The, the Buddha was sitting on the grass very peacefully and his face is very calm, smiling. I was very impressed. 
And I told myself, as a little boy, well, I want to be like him, someone like him. Fresh, smiling, peaceful. Because around you, you don't see enough people who are fresh and peaceful. And that is the first time the seed of Buddhahood in me was watered by, by a drawing. So if you are an artist, please uh, draw. <laughs> Uh, Buddhas, <laughs> Bodhisattvas, happy people, the children will profit. And one day my school organized an um, outing, a kind of um, promenade. We were organized by groups of five um, students. And we, sh- we, uh, we are to walk to a mountain nearby, 10 kilometers away from the school, and to visit the, the, the Na Mountain, National Mountain. It's a very, very, very famous, uh, beautiful temple in the province of Thanh Hoa. In my class, there were about 50 students, and only five of them were girls. Most of us were boys. So they were formed one group, and we formed many groups. And we were instructed to bring with us a rice bowl, sesame seed with salt for a picnic, and uh, a bottle of, uh, of uh, boy water because it was not safe to drink water, not boil. So we prepared for the outing very carefully. I, we made, um, we cook rice and make a rice bowl and we found, we roast the sesame, sesame seed we mix with salt, we pound, and we bring along. It's very good to eat rice, uh, rice bowl uh, with sesame seed. And we boil uh, uh, water, and we took a few bottles with us. Uh, mineral water, orange juice, was so expensive imported from from abroad so we could not afford there was no coca-cola at that time and uh, thầy as a small boy uh, uh, did not did not know how working meditation so together we try very hard to arrive on the top of the mountain as quickly as possible. That is why we get tired very easily. And halfway to the top of the mountain, we drank all our water. And when we came up, we were very thirsty. And personally, personally, I had heard that uh, on the top of the mountain, there was a hermit a monk who was practicing in order to become a Buddha. 
So I was very excited to climb the mountain in order to see that uh, hermit, to see how he practiced in order to become a Buddha, because he wanted to become a Buddha also. <laughs> Interesting story. <huh? laughs> But Thay was very uh, uh, disappointed when he arrived at the top of the mountain, thirsty and disappointed because he found out that the hermit was not there. He had uh, gone and hid, hid himself, hide himself somewhere. Yeah. A hermit is supposed to live alone, to have a lot of time to practice in order to become quickly a Buddha. So when he hears that 500 children coming up, (laughs) he may have planned to go into the mountain and hide himself. That's what I guess. So why the other boy uh, try to display to to arrange a place for eating our our picnic lunch? They venture alone into into the wood, and with the hope of finding the hermit. And as soon as he enter the wood, he hear the sound of. Uh, water dropping. It's very beautiful sound. Very interesting. So they follow that sound and they discover a very beautiful natural well. And the water was very clear and fresh. And you know he was very thirsty. (laughs) He was so happy he knelt down kneel down and cup the water and drink. It's so delicious, especially when you are so thirsty. I can assure you that it's much better than (laughs) Coca-Cola. Wonderful water, very fresh, cool. And they had that impression. The hermit has a miraculous power because he practiced. The Dharma. So he may have transformed himself into a well in order for Thay to meet him personally, a kind of private audience. And that is how uh, Thay thought, because he had read many fairy tales before. He believed that the hermit has transformed himself into a beautiful well so that. Uh, you can meet, meet him. And after Thay has drunk that water, he felt so happy, so satisfied, so um, fulfilled. He did not feel any desire anymore, including the desire to meet the hermit. And then he sit down and lie down to rest. So happy. 
and he saw a branch, a very uh, green branch of the tree on the background of blue sky. And he fell into a very deep sleep. He did not know how long he slept, but the sleep must have been very deep because when he woke up, he did not know where, where he was. It took him some time to remember that he was on the top of the mount, of the Nashon mountain. And suddenly he remembered that the four other boys were waiting for him. So he had to, to leave the well with much regret. He wanted to stay there for a long time. And he tried to went down to meet the other boys. And during the time he go down and meet the other boys, a small poem came to his heart, to his head. A poem with only one line. I have tasted the best kind of water in this world. That is my first spiritual experience. I have tasted uh, the best uh, kind of, uh, the most delicious uh, water in the world. And that sentence came in French, not in English, not in Vietnamese, because uh, I was studying uh, French language also. And uh, when I met the other boys, I was silent. I became a silent boy. After that uh, deep, happy uh, spiritual experience, he became um, calmer, more silent. And I thought that I uh, did not have the, the need to share what has happened. He thought that uh, he has to keep it uh, in your heart. So um, after the visit of the Nashan mountain, his uh, intention to become a monk became stronger. So at the age uh, of 15, uh, 16, he, was, he, he got the permission of his parents to go to the temple and to practice as an aspirant for noviceship. And he has uh, practiced uh, as a monk for about 70 years. And uh, he had uh, many years uh, living as a novice, very happy uh, uh, novice time. And uh, I want to invite young people to try in Plum Village, we have a, a program of five-year monastic training and service. If you want to, you can prepare, you can take five, five years and live as a monk or a nun. If you are young, from 16 to 36, you may try five years and live with us as a monk. You will practice three, three years as a novice and two years as a fully ordained monk. 
And during that time, you learn more the Dharma. You learn to apply into your daily life. You live in community. You uh, practice uh, monks, nuns, precept. And you help uh, your brothers and sisters, monastic brothers and your sisters, and organize retreats for other people. And you, you can train and serve at the same time. Your way of walking, sitting, um, organizing uh, can already inspire people. And uh, the, in the five years, not only you can learn, but you can serve also. And every time you have a retreat, you have a chance to practice. And you can see the transformation and healing of the people who come to the retreat. And that makes you very happy because the Dharma works. The Dharma is effective. After five days, six days of practice, people change. People restore their joy, their peace, reconcile with each other. And that makes you believe that your life can be useful. Your life is, has a meaning. You can make the happiness of people. And um, like in Plum Village, in, uh, uh, at the summer opening, 4,000, 5,000 people came and practiced with us, and uh, among them many children. And you can see their transformation, their healing, their joy. And, um, and that is something that can nourish you very much. And after five years of... Um, monastic training and practice, you can go back to lay life. Or you can continue as a monk. 90% of us monastic here, we are monks or nuns for whole life. Only about less than 5% are five-year monastics. After five years monastic, you can either continue as a monk or a nun, or you may um, go back to lay life and become a lay dharma teacher. Because after the fifth year, uh, naturally you become a, um, a um, apprentice dharma teacher for one year. And after that uh, year of... Uh, Practicing as an apprentice Dhamma teacher, you'll be uh, transmitted the lamp and become a Dhamma teacher. And while living as a lay uh, person in the world, you can continue to be, you can be at the same time a Dhamma teacher. So, uh, in this occasion, I would like to invite the young people to think about it. It is, is it possible to live as a monastic five, five years to, to direct experience the joy of brotherhood, sisterhood uh, generated by the practice and to have a chance to serve also? I have uh, answered your question. <laughs> Thank you, dear. Now it's time for adult.
the children can go out after the small bell. Dear Thai, dear Sangha, I have two questions. So my first question is, I am the last child from the lineage of my ancestors. And so there is a lot of suffering to transform. But also I was very lucky to have enough condition to encounter the Dharma and not to be running after survival so I could practice. Now I just come back from a long journey. And because I have been far away, as I come back, I can see very clearly how the suffering was built up in our family generation after generation through historical conditions. So I am trying to share with my elders so that they might also find relief but some of them are very hardened. They have a lot of anger. They become very mean and very desperate. And even though I have some understanding, I know I am also not stable enough in certain situations. And I'm not sure I don't know what to do anymore to help them. And I'm very worried because I have seen some of them, this generation of my parents, who escaped from the war, become completely insane and really destroy themselves. So this is my first question. And my second question is, why is it in the Buddhist tradition that even until today, there is still so much discrimination against women. Thank you. Yeah, Dutai, our friend is asking two questions. And the, the first question is a little bit like the question of the young man about helping his father. So our friend here is also saying that she sees not only at her parents' generation, but she can see the gen through the generations of her ancestors, a lot of suffering. She wants to help them, but she sees that um, because of the great suffering they've been through in the war and so on, that they're very hard, and they destroy themselves uh, because of the suffering inside. And she wants to know how, how she can reach them, how she can help them to um, go in a more healthy direction. And uh, her second question is, why uh, still today in Buddhism is there still so much discrimination against women? Do you think that in Plum Village we discriminate against uh, women? And, uh, and, uh, the nuns and... Uh, and uh, one woman practitioners in Plumbridge they play a very important role in in 
organizing the life and the practice of the Sangha and uh, the practice of uh, the larger Sangha and uh, the tradition of bhikshunis uh, still exists in many countries. There are countries who have uh, lost uh, the bhikshuni sangha. That's not because of Buddhism, but, uh, but uh, Buddhist practitioners. And they allow that kind of uh, discrimination from society to penetrate into their community. Like in Thailand, in uh, Sri Lanka, they don't have uh, bhikshunis anymore. And many of the people in this country try to restore the order of bhikshunis. So uh, Buddhists are not practicing well enough. And that is why you have to, to do better than the former generations. And Thay is one of those who try to restore, to restore the, the spirit, the initial, the, the primitive, uh, original um, spirit of uh, Buddhism, because the Buddha remove all kind of dissemination. He received all kind of people, all kind of race, all kind of, um, of uh, caste into his, um, uh, his community. And he welcomed uh, um, women to, be, to become bhikshuni. He was uh, a real revolutionary in his own time. So difficult, but he was able to do it. So we who are the continuation of the Buddha should uh, practice well enough in order to maintain his uh, heritage, preserve his heritage, no discrimination. Suffering is overwhelming. And there are those of us uh, who uh, come out of the Vietnam War full of uh, full of uh, wounds. We have seen our brother, our father, our mother, our sister uh, killed, destroyed, maimed during the war. We have seen many of them imprisoned and torture during the war. Uh, foreign uh, ideologies, foreign weapons have been brought in from all over the world uh, to destroy us, to kill us. And we were forced into a, a situation like that for a long time. And each of us, each uh, Vietnamese in, of the new generation, carries within himself or herself uh, 
that kind of suffering. And Thay, after 40 years of exile, have been able to go home for a few times, organizing the retreat in order to help heal the wounds of the war in people, in the younger generations. He tried to, to do his best, and he tried to do it as a Sangha, not as a person. We, we went back to Vietnam, they went back to Vietnam, not as a, an individual, but as a community. 300 uh, practitioners went to Vietnam, with, went back to Vietnam with Thay for the first time after 40 years of exile. That was in 2005, right? Huh? 2005. Uh, we have uh, hundreds of monastics and lay practitioners came in with us. And our practice was, was very solid. Imagine a hotel in Hanoi where we stay. Uh, secret police came and observed us because they were afraid of us. Everywhere we, go, we went, they follow us. They want to know what we are telling people, what we are doing. They are forced to allow Thay to come, come home, but uh, they are afraid that we may uh, say something, we may, uh, we may uh, urge the people uh, in Vietnam to say something <coughs> against them. And uh, several hundreds of us uh, practice with solidity and the way we walk, the way we breathe, the way we eat our breakfast, the way we encounter the people in the hotel and those who come to see us, including secret policemen, reflect our practice. And the hotels where we live look like a, a practice center. There is a Mindfulness is peace, brotherhood, sisterhood, and they were very impressed. And one time we do walking meditation uh, around the Hoan Kim um, Lake, and the first time people of the city saw such a large number of people walking with peace, joy, happiness. They were very struck by the sight. It had a very big impact on the population. They saw solid practitioners. And we were able to share the practice with so many people. In our public talks, in our retreats, 
And uh, after that, we organize uh, uh, ceremonies of uh, prayers. Uh, we pray for the many millions of people died during the war. And thousands and thousands of people came and practiced with us and pray together and we promise each other that never, never again we accept such a war of ideology and kill each other with foreign weapons and foreign ideologies and that was possible we practice uh, to help with the healing of the whole country So my answer here is that um, in order to, to succeed in our uh, attempt to help is that you have to, to do it with the Sangha. You have to belong to a Sangha. You have to have brothers and sisters in the practice. We have to be powerful enough to be able to handle the suffering. There's a lot of uh, garbage. And since uh, many of us did not know how to transform garbage into flowers, making good use of suffering in order to create a peace and healing, we need a Sangha to support us to do so. so Practicing alone, self-transformation is already difficult, not to say trans- the fourth transformation of others. And that is why we have to know, we have to see that uh, we should try to build a Sangha, to be with the Sangha, to contribute into the building of a Sangha. Without Sangha, you cannot do much, the work of transformation and healing. Even the Buddha, without the Buddha, without the Sangha, the Buddha cannot do much. And that is why after enlightenment, the first thing he thought of is to go and identify elements of his uh, Sangha. You have to do the same. thing. And Thay is very aware of that. Thay knew that if he went home alone, he would not be able to do anything. So he, he put up forth a, a condition. I will go back only if you allow me to go with my Sangha. So with the Sangha, you have a collective energy, power, powerful enough to take care of our suffering, transform our suffering. Good luck. Notre question, c'est 
Euh, y a-t-il une vie après la mort Our question is, is there life after death? Two person, one question. Someone translate. Hi, I'm Sister Hi, I'm. Will be life after after death. It seems that this question has had been answered during the last Dhamma talk, but because the young people were not there. Life is always with death at the same time. Not not before. Not only before. And uh, and and uh, it cannot be separated with death. Where is life? There is death. And where is death? There is life. And this needs a little bit of uh, meditation. In Buddhism, we speak of interbeing. Interbeing. It means that uh, you cannot be by yourself alone. You have to interbe with uh, the other side. It's like the left and the right. If the right is not there, the left cannot be. If the left is not there, the right cannot be. It's not to take uh, the left away from the right. It's not possible to take the right away from the left. Suppose uh, I ask one of you to come and bring the left to the low hamlet, and one of you will bring the right to the new hamlet. It's impossible. The life, the right and the left, they want to be together, because without the other, you cannot be. It's very clear. Like the above and the below. The above cannot be there if there is no below. And that is uh, what in Buddhism we call uh, interbeing and that at. They have to be there at the same time. So when God say, let the light be, and the light said, well, I have to wait. My God, I have to wait. What are you? What you are waiting? I waiting for darkness to to manifest together, because light and darkness they enter are. And God said, darkness is already there. And I said, in that case, I'm already there. So that is true with good and evil. Before and after, here and there, you and I, I cannot be there without you. The flower cannot be there, the lotus flower cannot be there without the mud. Without the mud, there's no lotus possible. 
There is no happiness without suffering. There is no life without death. And when a biologist uh, observes the body of uh, a human being, they see that life and death happen at the same time in the body. In this very moment, thousands and thousands of cells are dying. When you scratch like this, many cells, many dry cells fall down. They have died. And many cells die every moment of our daily life. And because you are so busy, you don't notice that uh, you are dying. If they die, you are dying. You think that you don't die yet. You have to wait uh, 50 or 70 years later in order to die. That's not true. That is not down on the road. That is right here and right now. So, Lama, death is happening right in here and now, at each moment. And because of the dying of the number of cells, the birth of other cells is possible. So many cells are being born in the present moment. And we don't have the time to organize a happy birthday for them. So the fact is that uh, scientifically speaking, you can already see birth and death happening in the present moment. And because of the dying of cells, the birth of cells is possible. Because the birth of cells is possible, the dying of cells is possible. They lean on each other to be. So you are experiencing dying and being born in every moment. Don't think you were only born on that moment. That moment written in your birth certificate is just one moment. And that is not the first moment. Before, before that moment, there, there were moments you were already there. Before you were conceived in your, the womb of your mother, you have already been there in your father and your mother in another form. So there's no birth, no really beginning, and it's no ending. So when we know that birth and death are together, always, we are no longer afraid of dying, because at the moment of dying, there is birth also. La vie est avec la mort. They, they cannot be separated. This is a very deep, meditation. <clears throat> and you should not meditate with your brain alone. You have to observe life during your, your daily life. You see, and you see birth and death in, the, uh, in everything. Trees, animals, uh, weather, uh, uh, matter, energy, and scientists have already pronounced 
Vivekuli, there is no birth and no death. Rienesakri, Rienesapai. There is only transformation. So transformation is possible, is real. And birth and death are not real. What you call birth and death are only transformation. When you perform a chemical uh, reaction, you bring uh, a number of substances together. And when the substances meet each other, there is a transformation. And sometimes you think that a substance is no longer there, and it has vanished. But in fact, looking deeply, the substance is still there under another form. When you look at the blue sky, you don't see your cloud anymore. You think your cloud has died. But in fact, your cloud continues always in the form of the rain and sun. So uh, birth and death are seen only on the surface. If you go down, deep down, there is no birth and no death. There is only continuation. Continuation. And when you touch the continuation, the nature of no birth and no death, you are no longer afraid of uh, dying. And not only the Buddhists um, speak of no birth and no death, but science also speak of no birth and no death. They can exchange their findings. Very interesting. This is an invitation for us to live our life more deeply, so that we can touch our true nature of no birth and no death. And uh, Thay's answer, I know, is only an invitation uh, to practice. We have to live our life more mindfully with concentration. So that you can be in touch deeply with what is happening. And then we have a chance to touch the true nature of reality, no birth and no death. And that is in Buddhism, uh, we describe it in Buddhism with the term uh, nirvana. Nirvana is no birth and no death. And in Christianity, you may call it uh, the ultimate. God, God is our true nature of no birth and no death. And you don't have to go to find God. God is our true nature. It's like a, a wave. A wave believes that she, she is subjected to birth and death. And uh, every time she comes up and begins to go down, she's afraid of dying. A wave is afraid of dying. But if the wave realizes that she is water, she is no longer afraid. Before going up, she is, cloud, she is water. Going down, she is water. And after going down, she continues to be water. There is no death. So it's very important that the wave do some meditation. 
and realize that she is wave, but she is at the same time water. And when she knows she is water, she is no longer afraid of dying. She feels wonderful going up. She feels wonderful going down. She's free from, from fear. And our cloud is also like that. They are not afraid of dying. They know that if they are not a cloud, they can be some, something else equally beautiful like the rain or the snow. So, the, the, the wave does not go and look for water. She doesn't have uh, to go and search for water because she is water in the here and the now. The same thing is true with God. We don't have to look for God. We are God. God is our true nature. You don't have to go and look for nirvana. Nirvana is our ground. That is the teaching of the Buddha. And a, num- a number of us have been able to realize that. We enjoy the present moment. We know that it's impossible for us to die. <coughs> Time for walking meditation. So uh, we have uh, some time to enjoy a cup of tea. And when we hear the bell, let us uh, gather in the bell tower. And we shall uh, practice walking together. And uh, making the kingdom of heaven available on earth. The earth is um, the most beautiful thing in the whole solar system. We should be able to enjoy walking on this beautiful planet, which is our mother, the mother of all Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, and saints, the mother of Mahatma Gandhi, of Martin Luther King, of Jesus Christ, of the Buddhas, our own mother. And we enjoy being with our mother. Our mother is outside of us, and she is inside of us. And walking down uh, the hill, we can enjoy every step, enjoy ourselves, enjoy the presence of uh, our beautiful mother, the earth. And we should uh, walk in such a way that um, each step, with each step, we can touch our mother deeply for our healing and also for the healing of our mother. <coughs> 